radio check. Take me out to the ball game, sung by Edward Meeker, Edison Record. Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Waithe, and today I have a very special and I would say maybe slightly unconventional guest on the show here. Welcome to the show, Joe Schwartz. Hey, thanks for having me. I uh, When you reached out to me a couple weeks ago, I I'm, I was upset that we weren't able to get it scheduled up, but I'm, I'm glad we're able to talk today now. Hey, yeah, I'm super excited that you are have agreed to do this with me on, on, I'm sure, what is a busy schedule on your end. And um, and it's interesting because the, the one thing that really caught my eye about you when I saw you on Twitter was that not only are you a pharmacist, but you're also a pitching analyst. But before we dive into that, I wanted you to maybe start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I was, I'm born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I went to... Um, I went to Catholic schooling all all throughout my life, and then when it came to college, I I was between a couple different schools to get my degree, um, but my sister, who's about six or seven years older than me, she's also a pharmacist. She went to Butler University in Indianapolis, Indiana, and when I was thinking about where I wanted to go, um, Butler was always on the radar for me. And so I ended up going there. Um, it's a six-year program. It still is a six-year program, which is notable for all the schools that are that are bumping up to seven-year programs. Um, but one of the biggest things that drew me there was how much I knew my sister liked it, uh, how comfortable I was with the city of Indianapolis. It's very similar to St. Louis. And uh, as we'll talk later, sports are a big part of my life. And their basketball team has always been pretty good. And actually my freshman and sophomore years at Butler, um, they made it to the final four in the national championship game, both those years. So definitely worked out for me. And, uh, now I'm back home in St. Louis and, uh, we can talk a little bit more when you ask me some further questions. Yeah, definitely. And so you're, you're currently employed as a pharmacist now, is that correct? I am. I work, uh, in the retail setting. Cool, cool. All right. And um, is it like a large chain or is it uh, um, like Yeah, it's, it's a grocery store chain here. Um, it's centered in St. Louis. Um, it uh, It's called Schnooks. It's a grocery store that's got about, I'd say, 100 or 80 to 100 stores in the St. Louis area, which can, includes Illinois because we're right on the border. Um but it also includes Western Missouri, um, Southern Indiana. They've got some stores in Iowa and I think um, Wisconsin, and they might even be moving into Tennessee. But yeah, it's based. It's a it's a uh, family owned um, grocery store chain here in St. Louis, but it's pretty big, and uh, which to me is important in terms of technology and in terms of keeping up with the most 
like like so that we don't have to hand count things anymore we've got machines that can do that for me and i feel like at a lot of the smaller chains they don't aren't necessarily as quick as keeping up as say the the bigger chains are so it sounds like you almost could possibly even get the best of both worlds where you know you're not like at like a cvs or walgreens but you're also not like at an independent where it's just like a one-off you know brick and mortar yeah that's what i like like about it really that's what drew me to it i worked at um a walgreens throughout school i've got nothing bad to say about walgreens but when i had the opportunity to work at a and for a company that felt more like a family it felt a little bit um more like they really cared about you as a person beyond just you as a pharmacist. Um, yeah, that's, that's been a huge benefit to her now. And, uh, I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And you know, what are you, the landscape of community pharmacy is changing as I'm sure you're aware. And, um, you know, it seems like you have an, an interesting take on it, maybe being in the type of store that you're at being that it's kind of like that in between where it's still family owned, um, but it's not like a huge chain. Where have where do you see pharmacy kind of going in the future, um, whether it be with technology, whether it be with the quality of life for us? Um, what, what are you? What are your thoughts on where where the farm where pharmacy is going? Well, that's the biggest thing that people always ask me about is with the way all the automation is coming around with virtually everything that you you talk about every job that you do people always say are you worried about the future of pharmacy in terms of you're going to be outsourced a machine's going to take over your job um or there's going to be a lesser need for as many pharmacists as there are um i actually think pharmacy is getting bigger i think it's getting to a point where in the community setting i I have so many people every single day come to the pharmacy and ask me questions about their health, about over-the-counter products, about stuff that they probably should be going to a doctor for. And they're coming to me first because I'm available to them. I'm, I'm not a fee to talk to me. I don't have to be, you don't have to wait in a, a waiting room to speak with me, all those type of things. So I think that the, it's a misnomer in terms of, pharmacists just being pill counters um that's really all they do that's really not all we do that's such i don't even count pills anymore my technicians (laughs) do most of it um but i think i mean going forward i think there's gonna have to be some changes um with the way things are going because i feel like we kind of have gotten to the point where um with all the rules out there with state boards. I don't know how it is down in Florida. I don't know how it is in other states. Um, you just have to call the doctor on like everything these days. And I feel like we went to school to use our brain to develop the skills to be a good pharmacist. There's some things that I wish we wouldn't have to call the doctor and we could just like note saying I'm using my brain as to why I'm making this change. Um, but <laughs> I mean, you, you never know. It would be like uh, an ICD, an ICD code. Like you can put, yeah, <laughs> we can yeah. put like some special code in there. Used my brain. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, That's like funny. having to call when they write for Ventolin to get it changed to pro air. Yeah. We all know Ventolin and pro air are the same thing. Why do I have to call to get that changed? Yeah. It's really um, especially when I got someone coming in late at night and wants to get it right away and I have to tell them, Oh, they're closed. Sorry. But 
regardless, I think one of the, and this is the last part of my little rant is one of the things that I think a robot or, or lesser help will never be able to take over, um, truly take over the pharmacist job is every single day I still get errors sent to me from doctors. Mm-hmm. They might be as egregious as a dose, that, an antibiotic dose for a, chi- a child that would probably hospitalize them to just missing a little bit of like one or two directions in the actual direction um, field that wouldn't actually hurt anybody. But th- robots aren't going to be able to pick up on that. And we are. So um, obviously a human is inputting it incorrectly in the beginning. So there needs to be another set of eyes. And I think that that's just something that people don't see or hear about that pharmacists do on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely 100% true. I also think, you know, just the connecting with people and getting them bought in on a lot of different things. Because I really truly believe that I think the dispensing part of pharmacy is going to get disconnected. Um, I, mm-hmm. I honestly even think it's funny that you mentioned like robots might not be able to catch up on that, but I actually, I see a future where there will be a time where a prescription can't even get sent unless it has specific parameters met there, you know, whether it be I'd the, love that. the directions or like, I think software is going to be able to like, not even let it leave the physician's computer without it being kind of accurate or, or addressing like some sort of dose like that. But um, but I still think even if that does happen, I mean, that's real far out, obviously. But even if that does happen, I still think even just the connecting with the people with getting them to be comfortable with take like putting a you know, a lot of them will see it as a poison with putting a poison in their body, like getting them comfortable with doing that, explaining why it's important. Um, I think all that stuff is really not going to go away, um, even if like the little mundane things that they say a robot can do will. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's probably for the best too, because those mundane things that a robot can do cause unnecessary stress on a job that's already really stressful. So if we can have things like that, which I think part of what the the machines do in the counting has really helped with that. But uh, there's a, and like at our pharmacy, at least we have a call center that deals with a lot of the calls that I don't necessarily need to deal with. Like, is my prescription ready? What price is it? Well, that doesn't, that's not something I should have to answer when I have 10 people waiting for me to fill their prescription. Yeah. So that it's little things like that, that anything that can make the job of a pharmacist less stressful is important to me. And if that is more automation, the better, as long as it, it doesn't take me away entirely. Yeah, so it's interesting that you mentioned the call center. I think Walgreens recently tried to roll out a call center, but I don't think it worked very well for them. How would you say it's working for you guys? I mean, it's it's not the best. There's a lot of questions that, I mean, the call center can answer a lot of like basic questions, but once they start asking like counseling type questions, they have to hand the calls off to the pharmacy and it feels to me that a lot of questions that get like sent off to us didn't really need to get that way, but people just go off on tangents that people are naturally ask weird things. So it always gets pushed along to us, but we've had the call center for at least five, maybe 10 years. So I don't see it going anywhere. Nice. Um, 
Yeah, I don't see it going anywhere. It's it's helpful, but at times it can be a little frustrating. But with anything, um, good things can be frustrating. I mean, that's just the way it is in life. Yeah, and do you guys deliver by any chance? Uh, we deliver, but we um, charge a fee because we use a um, third-party service. So we get charged a fee from them. So we have to charge people to make up for that fee. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. interesting. All right. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about the, let's talk about what I like to call the side hustle, what it sounds like. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What, what, how long have you been into baseball? How did this start? Uh, Well, I've always been in, I've been into baseball um, since probably before I could walk. Honestly, my dad played baseball and he uh, played baseball at a high level. He played uh, through college and is actually in the hall of fame at it at his university. Awesome. Um, cause he was, he was a very good ba- uh, baseball player. He's a very good pitcher, but, uh, so I've always been into it, but the, in terms of the writing and the an- analysis stuff, it's actually funny you ask cause in two days we're coming up on my five year anniversary of my first blog post I ever wrote. Um, and it's crazy to see the progression of where I started and where I am now. So yeah. I was terrible when I started. Um, I thought I was great when I started, <laughs> but now, now where I am, it's just, it's just kind of mind blowing to see the progression that I've had. So largely what I wanted to do is when I started writing, I was reading the newspaper, I was reading online articles and I just thought there was something missing. I didn't, I didn't feel like people were analyzing the game. They were more just regurgitating facts. And you could go to multiple sites. You could go to multiple articles throughout the newspaper, and it just felt like I was just redundant. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I know a little bit about baseball. I've been around it for a long time. Let's just start analyzing it, get into the statistics, because I like statistics and see what happens. And sure enough, I'm still doing it. If you would have asked me to put uh, like a, the odds of still writing five years later on like the first week, I would have said like a hundred to one odds or something even longer than that, yeah. but I'm still doing it and, and I enjoy it every single day. Yeah. So can you, can you maybe detail a little bit out as to what it is that you're actually doing? Like maybe give us an example, I guess maybe of something of your last um, your last work or so, um, the biggest thing is I, I, I write about pitching I write about pitching analysis and there's a lot of new data out there where you can, um, it's a concept called pitch tunneling. I'm not going to get in. This is not a pitch <laughs> pitching podcast or anything, but basically it's a concept where how much a pitcher can disguise his pitches and I've been able to make our, me and one of my buddies were able to make images to prove what I'm saying with words and prove what the data is showing. Because some people, whenever they read something or whenever they're told something, they don't believe me or they don't believe you. That's just the human nature. Yeah. Well, then if they see it, they're like, oh, now it makes sense. So that's what I've been doing. And I write for, uh, the athletic. Um, don't know if it's big down there yet, but essentially it's taking over newspapers right now where it, they're taking a lot of big name sports writers and they're writing for 
under the umbrella of the athletic, which has no advertisements, no pop-up ads, anything, but it has a small subscription fee where you pay like four or $5 a month. Um, which I don't think is that much. Some people think it is too much, but to me, if you can read an article and not have to click off like six pop-up ads, yeah. I think it's worth it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I write for them and I do a lot of what I just explained, pitch, pitch analysis stuff. And it's kind of funny because five years later, um, people are coming to me on Twitter with questions. They're like, Oh, this guy's struggling. Can you tell me why he's struggling? Or, and and wow. I'm just a pharmacist. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And, yeah. Cause then what's it, it, what actually, what's the most funny thing about all of this is I'm a pharmacist first. My side hustle, as you call it, is a, a pitch analyst or a baseball writer. Well, whenever I t- tweet about pharmacy now, people are like, wait, what, what are you doing? I'm like, well, <laughs> Well, I'm a pharmacist. That's why I'm <laughs> tweeting about. So That's yeah, it's kind funny. of funny where I've been. It's it's funny that you put yourself, you know, into into like this. I don't want to call it a bubble, but like you put yourself in this one lane that you people see you as an expert on, and you know, in terms of pitching. But then again, they see, well, holy crap, he's actually also an expert on medications. Like, yeah, how crazy is that? It's probably like. Yeah, that's like some Superman Clark Kent type thing. I'm sure like people well, have a problem with or struggle with, I guess. Well, it's crazy, honestly. There's not enough hours in the day to do because in order for me to write an article um, as in depth as I want it to be, it takes me probably eight to ten hours um, to mm-hmm. do one in terms of research and then the images and then the writing and then the rewriting. And all that stuff. And I already work an average of 40 hours a week um, plus commute times, which isn't – I have a good commute. It's only like 20 minutes. But Adds up. There's the, yeah, there's just not that many hours in the day or even – not even that, just the energy. Because in order to be a pharmacist, you have to be on high alert at all times. In order to write something that thousands of people are going to read, you have to be on high alert at all times. And fortunately, I've been able to do it. A lot of coffee, uh, definitely. But I mean, I, I feel like at some point I'm going to get caught up. But right now, I'm, I'm still still enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely going to be my next question was like, how, how did you find the time? Because I mean, I do a lot of things also on, on the side, you know, that I consider also these side hustles and stuff. And um, I'm always curious to hear how like other people are managing and the whole, the whole burning out thing, you know, like you're saying, you might get caught up at some point, but, um, I mean, I think about that too sometimes, but luckily the other thing that you're doing, you know, I'm not, not say not saying you don't love pharmacy or anything, but like the other thing that you're doing in terms of the pitching and the right articles, like it's something that you actually genuinely probably love to do. And I think yeah, that's, that if, that's if, yeah, if that wasn't that's the case, exactly it. yeah, like when, Cause people, yeah, I love pharmacy. I do. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a career. It's a job. Um, I, I love to be able to have something that I can go home and I have a, I have a wife, we, um, all that stuff. So she, I, I still spend time with her. It's not like I just go home and like sit in my office all day, but, uh, I, it's fun to have something after a stressful day at work. And after you eat dinner or you go on a run or something, 
be able to sit down and, and go over something that you have a passion about. Um, you thoroughly enjoy it. I think it's something that keeps me sane. I think it, it, it's something to look forward to when I'm at a busy day at work. I'm like, Oh, like when I go home, I have this idea that I want to, I want to hash out. I want to see if it, it becomes an article. Um, it's a big thing for me. Um, I think a lot of it is it's been therapeutic in a way since we're on a pharmacy podcast Mm -hmm. where you can have something that can help keep you sane in such a busy, um, stressful work environment. Yeah. Now, I think you touched on, you know, saying that you have a wife that at home that, you know, you come and try to spend time with. But can you touch on like how important it is maybe to have someone that's supportive in these things? Because it does take a significant amount of time away, you know, and um, I think I'm experiencing that, too. And I consider myself pretty lucky in the situation that I'm in where my fiance, she's super supportive. I mean, how, how important is that? Well, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, like I've. I've been with my wife before we got married for like six years. She was with me all throughout pharmacy school. She knew how much time I was putting in, um, to my studies. Like I felt even more, I probably felt busier during school than I am now. Um, because of all the time in the library and the time, uh, in study hall, all that type of stuff. But I think like you said, we we've kind of knew what to expect from each other before we even got married. She knew that this is something that I like. Um, this is something that, um, helps keep me sane. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, she would rather me be in, in my office doing some work for three to four hours and being, and come out of my office and be in a good mood than having those three to four hours of me being in a bad mood before then. Yeah. So it, yeah. So it's very awesome to have someone that's so supportive of the time that I'm putting into it. But at the same time, I think she already understands that by putting the time in for that, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be a better husband, um, afterwards because I'm going to be in a better mood. Yeah. And I mean, there's days that I'm sure, you know, you go, you come home from work and you're just not in a good mood and having something out there to put you in a better mood is, is definitely something that I'm appreciative of. And I, and I don't take it for granted. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about like the actual time itself that you're putting in. Like where, where is that time coming from? Are you also, you know, you come home from work, are you putting in time late at night? Are you only doing things on your days off? What's that time management like for you? So that's what I've actually really enjoy about my current work schedule is there are days during the week that I'm completely off. Like I don't work at all. So that's when I do most of my work. Um, Like every other week, I actually have like a busy week and a short week cycle. So my busy week, I work like 55 and a half hours, I think. And my slow week, I work... 25 and a half hours. So on those slow weeks is when I get a whole lot of work done. Mm -hmm. But if for whatever, but I'm still, I'm I'm good with time management, but I'm still, I still procrastinate. Everyone does. So if I do procrastinate, I'm not one of the guys that stays up late. Um, I'd rather go to bed earlier and wake up earlier gotcha. largely largely because when i if i wake up at like and i've gotten up 
like three in the morning before, um, four in the morning. When I wake up at that time, there aren't any distractions. Like there's nothing on TV. There's no one on Twitter, um, (laughs) tweeting or anything. So I don't really have a distraction. So if I'm for what most of my work to answer your question in a long way, most of my work is done on my off days, but if for whatever reason I'm behind, which I find myself behind frequently, I will catch up early in the morning rather than late at night. Cause I mean, even, even with me not being a night owl per se, I still at the end of like a work day would rather come home grab a bite to eat, watch a TV show, and then go to bed. Gotcha. Then come home, eat, start writing for a couple hours, and then then go to bed. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a morning guy, really. Morning dude. Yeah, I'm the exact opposite. I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a night owl. I've always been one, too, um, and I, yeah. just, I don't like the mornings much. So I'm one of those. I'll come home at, like, I'll get off at 9 uh, p.m., come home, eat, spend a little time with the fiance, and then from 10 to 2, I'm going in. So... Yeah, I don't like the morning. I, I like if I need to wake up five minutes earlier than I have to in the morning. I am I am upset. Like that is not cool. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest thing is I don't like getting up either. But once if I like force myself to get up and at it, like I usually am okay. It the the biggest step for me is just getting out of bed. Yeah, because once I'm out of bed, I'm really I'm I'm good as gold. But yeah. um, it honestly. I mean, I, I like the mornings. I feel like I get a lot done in the mornings, but like I, like you said, like some people are night owls and that's more power to them. But yeah, I'm definitely a morning guy. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, finding out what works, you know, for the individual. Um, and one thing I wanted to double, to double back on too, because I think there's a lot of people, I, I like the theme of this, of this episode, because I think it's about like time management. It's about doing something you're passionate about while also having, you know, your, your, not your quote unquote nine to five, you know, that's taking up the 40 hours of your week. And what I think is important too, about the having a supportive, you know, significant other is a communication of, you know, what the, the thing that you need to do that makes you happy and that it is going to take some time away, but it's in the goal of, you know, helping you be a better person, helping you, you know, deal with the daily stresses of the career and things like that. So I think that's, that was an important point that you kind of touched on. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that even non-pharmacy people can take away from this is you need to find something in life that's going to, I mean, I talk about this all the time with people like life's too short. Um, you need to enjoy it while you get, while you have it. So if you, you need to find something out there, whether it's writing about baseball or whether it's going to the park or something, to be able to de-stress after work um, because you don't want to live your life angry at all times. So I, I recommend that to anyone. You need to just find something out there, whether it's, it's something as minimal as going to the park and, and just being able to be a better person um, outside of work. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's called work for a reason. You, you don't live for work. You work to live and you need to enjoy your time outside of work. You can't let it consume you. You need to uh, make the most of it, and because uh, at the end of the day, when you retire sometime, like you're gonna look back at what you did in life outside of work. Hopefully, not not what you did in work. Yeah. 
Well, although that was obviously an excellent piece of advice, I do want to see if you can maybe give us something else. Give us some like either strategic or ideological best advice for someone that has a passion for something maybe outside of pharmacy or maybe it could be within a specific niche of pharmacy. But if let's say someone has a passion outside of pharmacy, but they're working full time as a pharmacist, what would be the best advice that you could give them? Um, well, my best advice for, and it's, it's not going to be as profound as what I just said. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, the, the biggest thing for me is find something that you really, 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 really are passionate about and don't like deviate from that. Because if you find something that you're passionate about outside of pharmacy or even inside of pharmacy and you work on that one specific thing over and over and over and over again, you're going to get to the point where someone considers you an expert on it. Like we were talking about earlier where people think that I'm a pitching expert now. I'm not a pitching expert, but people think I am because I've found that one focus in life and I didn't deviate from it. If you write about baseball, you can write about 150 different things. Choose one of those things and stick with it and stick with it and keep studying it and keep studying it. How did we get through pharmacy school? We focused on the stuff, the tasks at hand, and we got through it. And now we're considered experts in medicine. It's it, You need to find one thing in life. I mean, obviously you do a lot of things, but if you're trying to find that one specific thing to basically get you into your happy place, all those type of things, focus on it. Don't deviate from it. You Now, if you don't like it after a little while, then obviously you can deviate from it. But if you continue going down that path, you will keep getting better and better at it. And people are going to start looking to you as an expert. And that's one of the, honestly, one of the best feelings in the world is when people come to you for questions about something that you self-taught yourself um, throughout the process. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, you know, you are, you know, you say you're not a pitching expert, but I'm going to go ahead and say you're going to be one at some point. And I hope, you know, wish you, I really do wish you the best of luck with, with that endeavor. And I hope eventually maybe one day the roles will reverse where the side hustle, you know, is pharmacy and, you know, the, the main thing could, you know, be pitching and, and analyzing that for a living. So I think that's a lot of times. That's the plan. Yeah, I'm sure. And a lot of times that I, I think, you know, we do a lot of people when we were in school, we got into this thing of we have to go to school, we have to get a degree and da da da. But a lot of times our passion isn't actually in that thing we went to school for. And I think that there's ways now with the landscape of the internet and social media and just where a lot of things are going where you can, if you're good enough at it and you put enough time at it, you can make a living off of your passion no matter what it is that you went to school for. So I do hope you, uh, I do wish you the best in, in whatever it is that you're doing. And Obviously, I'll always be here to support um, support you and whatever it is that, however it is that I can. So um, yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, before we go, let uh, let everyone know, I guess, how we can find you on either social media or if someone wants to get in touch. What would be the best way that they can do that? Um, you can follow me on Twitter. That's my main social media outlet. I have the other social media outlets, but 
Facebook's mainly for my real life friends, not my, <laughs> not my internet friends. So yeah. we'll ignore that. But an Instagram I had for a little while and I, I still have it, but I, I really only use it to stalk people. So <laughs> on, on Twitter, you can find me at, at STL, um, the, the short form of St. Louis STL cup of Joe. Um, my name is Joe Schwarz. It was a pun or a play <laughs> on words and I never thought it would stick and it did. Um, so that's kind of cool. So at STL cup of Joe, um, if you want to email me, um, it's at, or it's just STL cup of Joe at gmail.com. Um, I'm always available um, to talk answer questions. It's actually kind of funny. I've, since I've been getting to where I am in writing, I get a whole lot of questions from, from students, um, in journalism asking me about the progress of, um, where I'm at. And I'm just like, well, I didn't even go to school for journalism, but I'll try to answer. I'll try to answer my, your questions as, as best as possible. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's been a fun journey and, uh, I don't see it ending anytime soon. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thank you, Dr. Short, so much for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed what you just listened to. Make sure to follow us on your favorite social media platforms and however you're listening, whether it be on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or something else we didn't just mention, we'd appreciate you to subscribe, leave us a rating, and even drop us a comment and let us know what you think. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.